You're listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to the Pines Church online experience. My name is Matt Joya. I am the lead pastor here at the Pines, and we are so excited that you carved out 25, 30 minutes and change to spend with us as we dive in God's Word. We are in the middle of a series uh, on identity uh, today. For those of you who are maybe just joining us for the very first time, so I'll do kind of a quick recap. Um, we 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 started this series off by asking the question, or actually presenting the truth rather, that we can't understand who we are, our identity, without understanding who he is, because the Bible says that we were made in his image and likeness. And so we did a deep dive into the attributes, into the character of God. And one of the things that we highlighted, the the attribute that holds all of them together is his holiness, which is a big word that gets thrown around in the church. But when you ask, a lot of people can't quite uh, define it, but it simply means this, to be set apart. Um, Another definition would be to be other. And so it's important for us to remember in viewing God that he is the creator of all things. So he is outside of time and space and matter. He is outside of mathematics and chemistry and, and time because he created all of those things. And so holiness is to be set above the things of this world. And the Bible says to pursue holiness without which no one's going to see the Lord. So it's important for us to be able to understand that he is holy. And I think sometimes in the church, we've made the mistake of having a very casual approach in seeking God. And I think you can see the fruit of that uh, casual view. And um, it's almost as if we tried to put God inside of a box. By him making us in his image, we've tried to return the favor in making him in ours. But he is not made in our image. It is the opposite. And so we have to, even Jesus taught the disciples when they were like, look, we don't know how to pray. How should we pray? And Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy. So when we approach God, we need to have that filter and understanding his holiness. And that's what the fear of the Lord um, is talking about. That's another topic that doesn't get talked about a lot, but fear doesn't mean to be scared of him, but rather have a reverential awe. Those are two words, reverence and awe, that we don't use very often, but that is the lens in which we should view God um, and to understand who he is and to understand who we are. And then we talked about righteousness, which means to be in you know right standing. God is a righteous God. And as we the first time we find righteousness in scripture is when Abram believed God, right? And so the Bible says that Abram believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so the foundation of righteousness was Abram's relationship with God. And the same is true of us. When we have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, big word, um, we've, div- we've dove into before, and Savior, 
then, and we, we've submitted our hearts to him, then his righteousness is imputed to us. And so if we understand his righteousness, we'll understand the righteousness that has been imputed to us. So it, it all correlates together. We have to understand God in order to be able to understand us. And so I've had people ask me, man, we're, we're covering a lot of things. You haven't really talked about who we are, but that's exactly what I'm doing. Because again, we were made in his image and likeness. And then I talked about how identity is important to God because the first time that in, in scripture that we hear God speaking with Jesus that is recorded is when he's in the wilderness and John the Baptist baptizes him. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and the Father speaks down, this is my son whom I love. In him, I am well pleased. And so before Jesus ever started his ministry, before Jesus ever performed one miracle, God was affirming and saying, this is my son. I love him. I'm proud of him. This is his identity. And that is very important for us to understand because many in the church have tried to earn their place in heaven, have tried to earn their standing with God, and it has nothing to do with what you've done and what you haven't done. It's because of who he is, and if you receive that, if you're in relationship with God, again, the foundation, and you believe, then it is imputed to you. And so today, I want to open up the subject that we're going to be talking about in Colossians 2.12, to 15. This is out of the New Living Translation. I had to kind of share all this to give you a little bit of the backstory for those of you who are just listening and watching so that you understand how this particular topic is going to hit, okay? So now we're going to begin. You ready? Colossians reads this. You were dead because of your sins. Every single one of us was dead in our sins. And there are many that still are. It goes on to read. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and principalities that Paul warns us about. Remember, he said we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He shamed them publicly, okay, those principalities, by his victory over them on the cross, okay? And so that's important for us to be able to understand that in this scripture, it is telling us that we have we did not have right standing with God. Uh, we were dead because of our sins and our sinful nature, yet God made a way. And as we've received the finished work on the cross, we have been justified, justification in Christ. Another word that no one quite has a handle on, that gets thrown around in church, that we sing in lyrics like righteousness and holiness, but really people don't have a handle on it. But it's so important that we understand it. So I'm going to define that for you uh, today. And justification, it, it's more than, um, it, it typically, we, we use the word justify. We're talking about somebody that did something wrong and they're trying to, uh, 
make an allowance for their behavior, give some kind of excuse why what they did was okay. Um, but that's not what the word justify means in the Bible. So that is your understanding. That is most Christians' understanding. But that is not what the Bible is talking about when it when it opens up with justification. It means this. It's actually a legal term. It's a forensic term. It's a term that you would use um, in a court of law. And in the Greek, to justify means to, so hear this, to declare righteous. So you would justify someone when you declare them not guilty um, and innocent and righteous in the eyes of the law. So therefore, they are justified. It is settled. It is finished. But it does not mean to make righteous. Okay, well, wait a minute. I thought you just said, it doesn't mean to make righteous. It means to declare righteous. It means to look at someone who is indeed guilty and declare that they are now not guilty. So again, going back to Colossians, we were dead in our sins. So we weren't proven, okay, to be justified. Jesus made us justified. To declare is a written or oral indication of a fact. So this is settled. This is done. There is no more going back and retrying. It is finished. You have been justified when you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Thomas Watson said it like this, God does not justify us because we are worthy, but by justifying us, he makes us worthy. See, this is you and this is us. This is what the Bible says about you. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. So you were a person, you were a person bound in sin and all the addiction and bondage that comes with that, okay? And you have become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. The old life is where? Where is the old life? It's gone. You couldn't find it if you tried to look for it. It's gone. And many of you that are listening or watching need to understand that when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, your whole life is gone. It is finished. And you have been born again. That's a word that gets thrown around in the church. You have a new life. You have new eyes to be able to see the world in a different way, the way that God sees it. Okay, I remember when I was in the military, man, and, and I was... Uh, you know, I had to do everything that they asked me. They owned my life. I didn't own my life. And when anybody that served in the military, when you get really close, usually under a year, you'll say, there's this chant that you say like 276 days in a wake up. Wake up from what? Wake up from this nightmare that I'm in and somebody owning my life. I love that I served. I'm proud of my time serving. But when, you know, when you're a teenager, okay, all you want to do is you're like, you're just thinking about the days that you want to get out. Okay, I guess I was 20, 21, whatever, 21, but when I was getting out. But you, you understand my, my, my reasoning here. So, you know, you would say 270 days in a wake-up, okay? And when I woke up, I had a new life. I didn't have to report in. I didn't have, a, you know, uh, my platoon sergeant asking where. I didn't have to report to PT. I didn't have to do any of those things anymore. I had a new life. So many of us, all of us, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, you have a new life, okay? 
Romans 6.11 says this, so you, could, you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So you're dead to that old life. Like it's dead. There's no more bringing it back. That's the way that you need to look at it. You don't need to be recounting those things. When the enemy tries to bring them up to you again, you just need to say that that's dead. It's gone. I'm alive to the new life that I have in Christ. And you find that new life in God's word because that is the primary way that the Lord speaks to us. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says this, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So there was a power over you. And it led you into destruction. It led you into sin. It ultimately led you into death. That has been broken. You have been set free the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead now dwells on the inside of you. And so there is no condemnation anymore. The Bible says there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is a lie for believers. Okay, we have been set free from that. I like John Piper says this, condemnation is like spiritual waterboarding. It's where Satan tries to smother any glimpse of God's goodness and love for you. So the enemy can't take you out, right? So waterboarding doesn't drown you, okay? He just tries to make you miserable, like you feel like you're drowning, yet you're not going to drown. And that's what condemnation is. You recount this old life that God just set you free from, and that's the only thing you think about, and you dwell on it and you meditate on it over and over and over. And this scripture is saying, you've been set free, it's dead, it's gone. Turn around to life in Christ, embrace that truth, and simply walk away. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ, meaning that they no longer line up because that isn't you anymore, and push them off to the side. Romans 4, 5 says this, but people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Okay, so righteousness isn't attached to what you've done or what you haven't done. It's, it's, it's attached to your relationship with God. And I want to read this, Romans 8, 39. This is so important for us to remember as new, when we step into our new life. There is no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so again, we have been justified by Jesus nailing the ordinance against us on the cross. He defeated sin and death and now the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of us. And so let's wrap our minds, a quick recap around justification. Justification is by the grace of God. Romans 3.24 says, and all are justified freely by his grace. It starts with the grace of God. Justification is through faith only, Romans 3, 24 and 25, through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Our redemption was purchased by Jesus Christ. God presented himself as a sacrifice of atonement through faith. So the way that we receive that atonement, the way that we receive, okay, 
God's wrath being satisfied on the cross and him tearing the veil and making a way for us to be in relationship with him now is receiving the finished work on the cross. And the only way that you can receive that is by faith. And justification is always on the foundation of the death of Jesus Christ. It's through faith in his blood and what he accomplished on the cross. Justification is wholly apart from all human effort. So again, it's nothing that you do. You don't earn it. You don't have to get to a certain level like uh, Boy Scouts. And once you get so many little badges, then you go ahead and earn it. It has nothing to do with you. The only way that we access, Jesus did it all. When he said it is finished on the cross, he meant that. It is finished, exclamation point. Now we receive that finished work by faith. And I want you to hear this. Why is this so important? Why is justification? Well, it's important for you to be able to understand that you are justified because it is a part of your identity that you were bought with a price. God sent his son. That is the value that was on you. The greatest ransom in the universe was paid for you. And you must understand that when the enemy tries to whisper that you are nothing, you will never amount to anything, you have to go back to the truth of God's word, which says the creator of all things that is holy, that is righteous, that is outside of time, space, matter, chemistry, mathematics, because he is the one that put them all in order, paid the greatest ransom in the universe for you. That is the value that he placed on you. So you must understand that about yourself. Then you truly can see that you are made in his image and likeness. Justification gives you a peace with God. The Bible says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God invites us into this peace. Paul defines this peace in, in, in a few different ways. Number one, in Second Thess- I'm sorry, man. I'm just like, I had too many Red Bulls this morning. Second Thessalonians 3.16, it says this. May the Lord of peace himself grant you peace. Okay? The Lord of peace is the one who gives it. Okay? But if you if you really take the time to, to break this down, uh, the Bible calls him the Lord of peace. But in the Greek, the text, ad, ad, it, it actually appears that the word is translated, um, the whole word is, is translated peace, which literally means the Lord of the peace. So he's not he's not the Lord of peace. So there's this thing out there and he's lording over it. He is the Lord of the peace. Okay? And so the peace is him. And so now therefore because we are in relationship because we are justified, we can have his peace in the midst of the trials and tribulations and storms of life, regardless of what the enemy has mounted against you, regardless of the answers that you are seeking to really important questions, but have yet to receive those answers, God promises you a supernatural peace, a peace that cannot be defined by human logic. Why? Because it is outside. It is other. It is part of God, the Lord of the peace. And now that the veil has been torn and we are in relationship, the foundation of our righteousness, that peace 
governs our hearts and minds in his son, Christ Jesus. And so when you find yourself wrestling with anxiety, when you find yourself wrestling with depression, you have this promise, the truth of God's word that you can stand on and push back the principalities and the rulers of this world with the authority that Christ paid to give you to say, I am in right standing with God I am righteous because of my relationship with him. Therefore, I am justified and that old life is gone and I have a new life in Christ Jesus. And so it is my prayer, it is my heart cry that you would take these words to heart, that you would take these words, study and search them out for yourselves. What you are hearing right now or watching is communicated knowledge. I'm simply sharing this with you, but you need it to come to the place where the Holy Spirit reveals it to you, where it's not just going in one ear out to the next or even being stored around inside of your mind. No, you need the Holy Spirit to take it from your mind and explode it inside of your heart so that no demon, devil, or enemy would ever be able to convince you of the contrary. That, my friends, is supernatural peace. And that is the peace that God promises to all his children. I want to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. I pray that this wouldn't just be another sermon that they took some notes on and maybe liked on social media. No, Father, that they would take your words and that they would study them out for themselves and that Holy Spirit, you would reveal it to them in a way that they have never read or experienced before, that they would be able to see themselves the way that you see them now after you have paid that ransom. Lord, let it be a rhema word inside of their hearts. Give them a deeper revelation and understanding of their identity in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that you got something out of this, and I hope, I really hope, that you go and study these things out for yourself. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing the Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.